Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Manners Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host for tonight, A.L. Aaron Lloyd. I'm joined by my best friend, Ek2Fly, Eric Trembicki. If you heard the last episode, and if you saw him on Instagram on the 4th of July, The Real American. Uh, hey, ladies. <laughs> oh, no. What's up, guys? How are we? Uh, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, couldn't it be better. Excellent picture, by the way. If anybody has to say that, go uh, seek that out. That was, that, that was a great shot. Uh, Mama Sita did her thing on that one. On the camera. Um, so, uh, as always, subscribe on all podcast platforms iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and Stitcher. Head over to Ringside Collectibles, use promo code MMAN to save 10% off your order and have long conversations like me and Eric just did before we even hit record. And uh, so, Money in the Bank is this Sunday, live on the cock. And fans are back, so salute the crowds being back. Hey. Even though I'll probably be taking that back in about two weeks, I'll be tired of them again. But it's good to see fans back finally. I don't think I'll be tired of them. I may be tired of the product. <laughs> uh, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be over them in a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm waiting for that. So um, you prefer Thunderdome? No. Oh no, I, I got Thunderdome fatigue. I couldn't even really watch it. And it's like, like I, I can't, I couldn't sit through the entire show. Like I would seek out the things that I like. But other than that, I could not sit through the entire show of the of the Thunderdome. I couldn't do it anymore at all. And AEW, like even though they like now they have fans, it's way more enjoyable to watch. But even when they just had the wrestlers, or even they did have fans, they were just so far away. Still, same thing for me. I was checked out completely. And Impact, I can't even fucking watch. I tried. Well, yeah, I mean that's nothing. That's <laughs> I mean, there's no crowd. There's no Thunderdome. I, I tried doing it for the first couple of weeks. Kenny was there, but uh, yeah, I tapped out pretty quick. Yeah, like now, like there's like like the one I like, the one I go back to for Impact is Deanna Parazic. I think their women's division is second best in the world right now. So I'll watch anything from the women's division. But other than that, I cannot sit through the show. But they have fans second back second to NXT. Yeah. So, but um, now they have. Fan, I believe the next set of tapings they're either. Corn them now, or whatever. But they'll they'll be ha- they'll have fans back for the next set of tapings, basically. So everything's back in full swing. Yo, and the world is back. They, uh, we we outside. I hope this doesn't rub you the wrong way, but COVID's over. <laughs> oh yeah, we outside. So uh, I texted you about this a couple um, last weekend about how I want to talk about this, with the crowds being back and the pandemic era, and uh, you actually had a point. Um, sometime last week or the week before in the group text, it was real late, so I didn't really pay it any mind. But uh, you talked about how um, this this, a- this AEW era would be underrated. Uh, maybe you could, you, I might be paraphrasing if I'm saying anything wrong. No, don't correct me. You said so, I'll be. Go ahead. So I mean, I think if you go off of what AEW has done over this, let's call it 14, 15 months during the pandemic. The shows they put on, the surprises, debuts that they had, the matches, the title changes, just what that company did to continue to move forward while being such a new company, in hindsight, it, it really is impressive. Um, maybe, you know, we have been saying on this show since it began how WWE may not be great at putting storylines together. But when it comes to making like documentaries and specials and video packages, they're second to none. But AEW took a page from their book. They were in one city for so long, and that's not 
a thing from their book, but they made a tremendous video package about what they did in Jacksonville for this time period. And when you just watch that three-minute clip and you get to see what they did and all the events that took place, it really is impressive. And there's a lot of moments that you almost forget. Now, I'm sure there's matches, few moments that WWE has done that, yeah, we're. I'm sure I forgot. There's probably a lot of good stuff they did that I forgot. But I just think what this new company did and what, you know, they, everyone had to adapt with this pandemic era. And I just, I've said it since the beginning of the pandemic. I've said it on this show. There's audio proof. I always thought AEW was making a stronger play to move forward and making better choices and better calls, whether it be putting wrestlers and fans in the wrestlers as fans in the crowd and instead of virtual monitors with piped in cheers. And then, you know, the way they brought people back and there was less stuff spoiled. I just think overall what has happened in, you know, this just over a year, I think AEW is going to have a more memorable time period than what WWE has done. Oh yeah. Um, I wasn't going to disagree with you at all. Cause, uh, as you said, they are the new company and they had to move forward as like, they couldn't take a backseat. They couldn't really take a week off. They had to continue to move forward cause they still are a new company. So mm-hmm. like you said, like er- everything on these shows, they're not going to be good. You know, wrestling, these shows are about moments and you're not going to like everything on a two, three hour show. It's going to be a few yeah, things sure. that you like. So say AEWs, they did that. They, they got, the, um, the Brody Lee debut. We had the Matt Hardy debut. No fans in attendance at that time, by the by the way. You got the um, stuff you forget. Maybe like the Sting moment. That was a big deal. And, yeah. Um, like you sure it lived big deal. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Like like the, the moment and stuff. Like him coming out with the winners coming know, and stuff. Like you had stuff like that. You had you had the new debuts weekly. So they kept title her, changes. Title changes that matter. Yeah, title changes. Things like things things moved forward. And like you said about how. They were ahead of the curve on stuff. Like they had their own guys in the audience. They were they were the first to actually shoot from the from um shoot from the front and front and center to the stage. So you couldn't really see how there are any fans in attendance. Mm-hmm. So they were definitely innovative the entire time. Yeah. And um, I'll, I'll say now as well. And I, I assume had, did you watch the three minute cl- uh, clip? I, I have not there, seen it. Like I did not watch it. I did not watch it. So I watched that episode live, or maybe I was 20, 30 minutes behind, and then I saw it. It was the perfect send-off for the end of that episode before they start touring. Two days go by, I watch it on YouTube again, and I'm like, so often these days and over these past several years, I find that where if I'm busy while I'm watching wrestling, I can miss a great match. And then it's like, yo, people are like, I'm like, oh, was it really that good? I go back, watch it. Now I see what they're talking about. I was kind of moving around. I'm like, all right, well, it's, you know, video packs or sound. So I'm like on my feet. I stand there, I watch it. I was like, wow, that was really dope. A couple of days later, I rewatched. I'm like, man, what they, and then when I sent you guys that text in that, that evening in the group text, I was like watching it for the second time. And I'm like, wow, in three minutes, look at all this stuff they just, they just put out there that they gave us over this 14 month time period. And it's like, that's really what you can like, I think if you sum up certain eras in wrestling is literally, yeah, I get it. It is the pandemic era. But I mean, if you, if you were to like flash back to an attitude era or a ruthless aggression era, I feel like you can make a three minute clip similar to rival almost what is going on in these clips. It's just 
it, it is very well done. And watching this clip, I just think in general with wrestling, with sports, with movies, with anything, I, I don't think anyone's going to think like when the NBA was in the bubble, oh, that was the best season ever. That's probably one of the rather more, more boring ones or, or anything like that. But I think nobody, I know in my head, I'm not like, oh, in, in five years from now, I can't wait to go back and watch that that uh, tag team match where there was no one in the crowd. I would always used to think, yeah, you know, nobody's going to want to go back and rewatch this stuff. But I watched this three-minute clip, and I'm like, man, there's a lot of stuff worth revisiting over the next few years. Yeah, so like I, like I just said, AEW, I thought they handled themselves very well. Now, WWE, I think they did a better job at the Performance Center than they did at the Thunderdome because at the Performance Center, they kind of had to simplify things. So especially when a pandemic first hit. They didn't know what the hell it was, so they were just kind of going back to basics and t- like telling stories, like Edge and Randy Orton, whether or not you actually really c- cared about it or really got into it. They actually told a really good story with Edge and Randy Orton, even like Apollo Cruz with Andrade. They told real simple stories, and they got and they got and they got everything situated perfectly. Now, now all these wrestlers, you talked about the NBA bubble, all sports stopped. I call these guys the heroes of the pandemic because they never stopped, even though it was only due to TV contracts. These guys deserve all the kudos in the world. And um, I just want to say thank you, and we're moving forward. And I posed sure. a question to you, you and Prep, but Prep, he, Prep's not here tonight, that um, the pandemic MVP, if you want to give an impact one, if you want to, go ahead. But uh, give me the pandemic MVP for WWE and AEW. I'm going to give it to you as a whole. Uh, I'm going to start reverse, and I, I'm almost going to hit this as like a rush more. So for the listeners, uh, honorable mention, uh, people like Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, some of the guys there that held the WWE world title, they they did a great job where those were guys that were always questionable if they would ever get that brass ring when the world was regular. And to do what they did over this time period, hats off to them. Um, AEW wise, the elite, the entire elite, uh, Bianca Belair, Edge, and overall, kind of like as you said, they're all unsung heroes. They're all anyone that went out there for, to perform in front of nobody. All wrestlers, I tip my hat off to them. Uh, my serious five, or who I really think were the ones that did it, AEW wise, I tip my hat off to Cody and John Moxley, uh, two of my probably favorite wrestlers period right now uh cody started it off that first you know no empty arena with a heartfelt promo he won the tnt title twice during this he had those open challenges um just constantly put on a great show he had that great tag match where he made Shaq look good <laughs> Shaq had a better wrestling match in aew than he did in wwe um they're storylines I always felt vested in. Sorry to cut Cody, you off. Sorry to cut you off. I shitted on that ahead of time, but that's only because of Brandy's uh, Brie Bella, Claire Huxtable S promo she did. But that match was actually that, promo. <laughs> that match was actually really good. I'm not even on the front. That was actually really good. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> glad you agree. Glad you agree. Speaking of really good matches, I, I, I literally, I think if you go to episode one of Matt Madness, Said how I was a Dean Ambrose fan. I'm an even bigger John Moxley fan. Everything he does, I'm a fan of. Everything. Uh, you know, when AEW started, he was IWGP US champion. 
He's still defending the title. He defended it tonight. He's still reigning defending U.S. Uh, champion. His reign as AEW world champion, all, I mean, his first defense was during the pandemic era. He lost it during the pandemic era. His defense against Brody Lee and so forth, so forth. Three other most notable names, in my opinion. MVP. Uh, we're talking about the MVP of the pandemic era. I got to tip my hat off to MVP. Um, when he was originally with WWE, I was not watching wrestling. When I came back as a wrestling fan, I think he may have been there for two months or less and was gone. I knew very little about him. I saw certain matches he was in by just trying to do some research. I am such an MVP fan after everything he's done with the Hurt Business, uh, as the Paul Heyman figure behind Bobby Lashley, his mic work. I cannot say enough good things about him. Uh, the stuff he did with Apollo, I am just such an MVP fan. Can't. Can't tip my hat enough to him. And uh, honorable two, Bailey. I, good God, love that ass. Sorry, <laughs> but yeah, Bailey. I'm sorry she's hurt right now. There's that uh, ass. She is. She is one of a kind. I think her work is very underrated. Um, she got a lot of knock and a lot of flack right before. Uh, you know, right after turning heel, and I think she proved herself as a great heel. Uh, a great champion, longest ever reigning SmackDown Women's Champion. And then lastly, you know, he's at the tail end of his career, but Randy Orton. Uh, I think his promo work over the last 14 months proves that he is not going to go down as one of the greats. He is going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. Uh, early years of the show, I know he has got a lot of hate. I know uh, Mr. RPJ Jr. <laughs> Uh, I know he's not the biggest fan, but uh, Orton, I cannot tip my hat off to him enough. Great work in and out of the ring. And everything he does and gets involved in, I find myself getting more invested in. Yeah. How so, about you, Aaron? Who yeah. is your MVPs of this? So I'm not going um, to give a long list. Because, like you said, everybody deserves it. Like you just named McIntyre, who was the world champion the entire time. Lashley, he was up and coming. An MVP, who actually turned Lashley's career around. Now, I'm just gonna give a two. I'm gonna give co MVPs for WWE, and you. And I'm shocked you said Randy Orton because I don't think any of, any of you would. But mine are Randy Orton and, and Bailey. I can't give it to Roman Reigns because he missed five and a half months. But Roman Reigns was the MVP of the Thunderdome era. Orton and Bailey were around the entire time. Um, to start with Bailey, like you said about people not really caring for a heel turn, and that's the thing about the empty arena shows in the PC. It allowed people that weren't the best on the mic to actually not have to deal with the fans, and they can actually kind of be themselves and not have to handle the pressure of being in front of fans. So that that worked for Bailey. You may see see Bailey shine at another level, and uh, I can say the same thing about Apollo Cruz too. Apollo mm. Crews actually shined right away without the fans in the, in the, in, the, in attendance. So Bailey, she was leaps and bounds. And another underrated fact: her and Sasha were the best thing last summer. They were carrying that, the, that two man power trip. They were carrying 
those shows. And this is also another thing. They were on all three shows consistently. NXT, Raw, yeah. NXT. And I just wish they, I wish we got spoiled with a little more of them on NXT, but that's just big fantasy booking. Yeah, so I, I'm going to give, so like Bailey, especially like her growth, even after, the, even after she lost the title, but the match with Sasha at Hell in a Cell was fucking awesome. Even after she lost the title, they were still trying to find way, things for her to do, and she still was entertaining with that, even though she got the short end of the stick with the quote-unquote host of WrestleMania, well, one of the hosts of WrestleMania, whatever she did, or the ding-dong hello. She made it work yeah. backstage with the legends. She got the short end of the stick there. But Bailey definitely overachieved in this pandemic era. And one thing with Randy Orton. This new Randy Orton, he's awesome. <laughs> um, the stuff with Edge, I said, if you ever go go back and watch the sit-down interviews, Bill into the feud, they were all great. The match, um, the stuff with McIntyre. Oh, when he would the- attack the legends? The, that stuff was hokey, especially with the whole. Uh, what, yo, AEW tipped the hat to Orton. <laughs> the whole uh, what, what was he it? might be? Yo, you can put him on both lists. Time out, time out, time out, time out. My MVP list. I got my four. I got MVP Bailey, Moxley, and Cody. I put Orton as, in blue because if it wasn't for Orton, they wouldn't have got Big Show. They wouldn't have got Mark <laughs> Henry. They wouldn't have got Matt Hardy. They wouldn't have got Christian. True. Ric Flair might pull up next week with Andrade. It's going to be mad. True. I forgot all about that. But, um, like I said, that was hokey, especially with, like, the whole, like, um, the goggles he could see through the wall <laughs> that, that he did. But even after he won the title from McIntyre, even though he, he had the short end of the stick, the few were rent with uh, Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss. I thought was amazing. And even now with, with Riddle, that is the highlight of Raw. Because even with him not there, yeah, just the- yeah, like like Riddle even like yeah, even with him out there, Riddle just trying to make Randy happy is is awesome. So those are my two MVPs for WWE and um for AEW. What's your favorite cowboy movie? Toy Story, because <laughs> you know I love when he says he's got a snake in my boot. It reminds me of Randy, <laughs> not that he's a snake in my boot. Yeah, and then for AEW, I'm gonna say MJF because MJF he is. The guy that is going to end up carrying this com- that company in the long run, and um, he, like his whole thing, like that whole stint he did with the inner circle when they were in Vegas, and like even the match he had with Jericho and the way um he won was fantastic. Like Jericho couldn't Jericho couldn't even be mad, and then him trying him infiltrating the inner circle then creating pinnacle, I thought was great as well. And um, also, I'll, I'll give an honorable mention to Britt Baker, DMD. You know I love Britt Baker. Shout but but yeah, she, she, sure. was a, she was already on the rise a little bit before the pandemic, but she definitely overachieved. And we all know that AEW's biggest problem is the women's division. But Britt Baker actually was a constant in that division throughout the entire year. Uh, you had the – like, I forgot all about her breaking her nose against Sheeta, so that added to her match with Sheeta um, at double or nothing. And then the lights out. What was it? Was it the lights out match? What's it called? What did she have with uh? Um, lights out match. Yeah, lights out match that she had with um, Thunder Rosa. Excellent. Britt Baker definitely a highlight of the pandemic era as well. For sure, for sure. Uh, I mean, with all that honorable mention, I obviously gotta you know give it up to Chris Jericho as well. Oh yeah, he did put put over talent. He's put over MJF. The the bad crazy bump had uh at War Games. Uh, but ever, everything he does, you know, he's been the, like, he could have left, you know, he, we got the tease of, you know, if he loses this match, he, he, he's gone. 
and he ended up winning the match and he stayed around. But he's been there this whole pandemic era. I mean, if any, like you would have expected him to take some time off, but he's been there. How many times has he been on commentary? He just he's wanted to help. He wanted to pitch in. Just constant hat off to that man. Yeah, because I I can go on and on, but we already went twenty minutes on it. I, I can go another thirty if, if if we if we get the time to. But uh, let's go to Money in the Bank. Let's talk about it a little bit. So. The Universal Championships on the line Sunday. Edge's challenge Roman Reigns. Edge returned on the June 25th SmackDown. And he took out the Usos over during that time. And him, Edge, and the Mysterios are taking on Reigns and the Usos on Friday. And it's also been rumored a few weeks prior. And WWE kind of played their hand a little too early with this. But he had an interaction with Seth Rollins backstage. Edge saying that he didn't forget. And that's referring to the attack seven years ago when Cena brought back the authority. So, mm-hmm. your thoughts on all this? Uh, I know... WWE, they played their hand a little early, but thoughts on the match itself coming up on Sunday? I think the match will be good. I'm sure the match will be will deliver. I I'm, And I also think the crowd will be invested in it. Um, it makes the most sense for it to be what cuts the finishes the night off. Um, I look forward to seeing what, what they do and how they get out of there. I assume Roman goes over. I don't know if Edge gets screwed. I mean, Edge lost clean at Mania, so I don't know which way they're going to want to go over it. Uh, I don't see Edge being the guy to dethrone Roman. I don't think I don't see a right way where that makes sense right now. Yeah. So for me, like this card, by the way, maybe because maybe it's the fans' way, but I'm actually excited for this show. I'm excited for this match, and I'm definitely excited for the show. And it's the first time I've been excited for a WWE show since Mania and Rumble of this year, and besides that, I haven't been excited for a show since Mania the year prior. Yeah, and I think Edge does, I mean, I do, I do think Rollins interferes, because Rollins, before Edge came back, Rollins actually thought that he was going to be the guy to challenge Roman. So I do think that Edge, I mean, Rollins will end up causing Edge the match. And then Rollins versus Edge, even even when Edge retired, that was kind of a dream match scenario for a lot of people because of the characters sure. with um, the architect against the ultimate opportunist. So... I'm excited for that going forward, and you hear the reports about WWE trying to try and make SummerSlam this year's WrestleMania, and actually, I'll ask you the question about this, so I'm sure you've seen the rumors going around that it's quote-unquote a lock that John Cena is going to come back and face Roman Reigns. I have no idea how they insert John Cena into a few of Roman Reigns at this point, so you have any thoughts about Roman Reigns versus John Cena potentially? I'm here for it, and the thing I like about it is, it's the exciting factor where Cena, because he's away, because he's part time, he's finally going to get basically a full time cheer, unless he gets the Kurt Angle effect, like the you suck. But he's going to be loved, and if he's ever going to beat Ric Flair's record, this is how he does it. It almost could be like 2016 and he has a really short reign and Roman wins it right back. Um, like, who's going to beat Roman? Actually, I can't remember. Like, 2017, 2018, when they had their match at like a B-level pay-per-view, who won? Who? Oh, Roman. Roman won. and Cena. Roman, Roman did? Won. Yeah. Non-title? Yeah. Non-title, Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I would assume, I mean, it could go either way. But the thing I love about that is that's where I'm invested the most. Yeah, so I'm, 
I'm interested to see how they present it because like even now, like Roman, he got the the family back together. But even the way he interacts with the Usos, I'm interested to see how he interacts with them going forward because even before, even when um when Jay came out, when uh, Jimmy came back, and they had the title, the tag team title match, and they opened the show, and Roman, Roman was like, "You're excited about this? You're opening the show. You were main event Jay, and like you know." Just the interaction that he has with the Usos, yeah, um, is pivotal in what he actually does. Because even when he, Jimmy came back, he kept saying that anytime Roman wins, it's because of you, Jay. So I'm interested to see how they actually portray, it, especially with the Mysterios laying around. And I guess we're going to get the Usos versus the Mysterios at SummerSlam because nothing's been announced yet. So we're, yeah, we'll see where that actually six, goes. Six man tag this week. Yeah, so, so you figure that's coming. So. Who are you going with, Edge or Roman? I'm going with Roman. I agree. So, the, the WWE Championship, Bobby Lashley defending against Kofi Kingston. Now, I cannot tell you, and I'm interested to hear. I'm interested to see how he gets a reaction. What do you think Drew McIntyre is going? What kind of reaction do you think Drew McIntyre is going to get? Because there is no reason. Drew McIntyre. Yeah, there is no reason. He should have been feuding with Bobby Lashley that long, and even though, like, even like at, going into Hell in a Cell, I actually wanted. Are we talking about the Money in the Bank ladder match? No, we're talking about WWE Championship. WWE Championship. Okay. I, I'm putting the whole Kofi thing. Hint. I'm putting it all together. Because going into Hell in a Cell, I thought it should have been Kofi because they were telling the story about how Kofi never got his rematch for the title, and he kept interacting with MVP, yeah. and you kept thinking that. Oh, maybe Kofi will maybe Kofi will go with MVP and they'll kind of make a new version of the Hurt business. But they told they told they told a longer story. Now we get the match here. Lashley defeated Woods in a Hell in a Cell match the night after Hell in a Cell. Um, but I'm interested to see. Like, I think I don't think they did Drew McIntyre any favorites here. Well, favors here. But I thought Kofi and MVP had an excellent promo a few weeks ago. Uh, 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 especially, sure. especially with the uh, you remember, you remember the uh, the shot of MVP and Shad crying when Kofi won the title, yeah, at, at thirty five. So that was a perfect way to tell that story. And I'm just happy Kofi's getting a shot. I don't think he's going to end up in his favor. But your thoughts on Lashley and Kofi on Sunday? So I've I've enjoyed the build. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the rebuttals between. Xavier, MVP, and Kofi. I love the new day. I've always been town for them. But I'm going to cut right to the chase. With all due respect to Kofi Kingston, Bobby Lashley needs to rip him in two. Literally in two. Like He needs to rip his arm off the socket. Kofi could be on, needs to be on like the injured list. Bobby Lashley, who should be getting ready to face Brock Lesnar at some point, just lost to Xavier Woods. <laughs> He just lost to Xavier Woods. He 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 needs to demo- like. If anything, I think if we're gonna get to him versus Brock, I think he needs to beat him the same way Brock beat Kofi. Yeah, true. That, that is true because I I think that Kofi will actually kind of get the best of him, and I think we'll get like the monstrous Lashley at the end of the match. Personally, because like we have to think of like what's next for Lashley. It, it kind of has to be Brock Lesnar, and like. Hopefully he can get to the barbershop before Sunday, but it's got to be Brock Lesnar. Like, who else is there? Now, like, my picks to win the Money in the Bank briefcase 
can possibly challenge him, but I don't think that that match would kind of draw the interest that WWE kind of wants to for SummerSlam. Luckily, it's going to be a stacked card, so it's, it's going to. I think if if we're thinking sim, the same, it's going to be kind of that that niche. It's going to have like a niche audience for that one. But when you got like a legend like Edge coming, and you got Roman doing his thing, the card's going to do its thing. It's going to culminate different crowds. All right, so give me uh give me who you think wins, and then we'll jump to the money, the men's money in the bank ladder match. Bobby Lashley is going to win. Yeah, I think Lashley wins too. So men's money in the bank, you got Biggie, Riddle, Ricochet, Morrison, McIntyre, King Nakamura. Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. I'm a, what a match. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this a lot. And I think Big E wins. I think one hope and pray Big E wins. If Big E doesn't win, we've been saying for years around here how Kevin Owens would be a good uh, Money in the Bank winner. We've always said that while he was a heel. Um, Big E should win. Anything besides that kind of is... To sound like a whiny wrestling fan it would be a waste. But, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for Big E for this, for sure. And yeah. Big E versus Bobby Lashley to get revenge for yep. his New Day brothers would be beautiful. Yeah, especially, like, a cash-in right after that match happened. Because I think Lashley's really going to beat up Kofi after the match. And then, potentially, Big E comes down to save Kofi, and then he can cash in that way. I think that would be, actually, a really cool thing to actually do. But I'm not sure if we'll get that. Another person I can kind of see winning is Riddle, <laughs> especially with the whole Randy Orton dynamic. I think I can see that happening. Randy Orton finally turning him eventually. I can see that. But those are my two picks. But my main pick, I'm going to go with, I think Big E wins. I like it. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to this match too because Ricochet and Morrison, they've been, they've been unbelievable on Raw the last couple of weeks. My you know, God. I, I, have, I, I have something for that, and I'll actually save that for uh, a segment coming up. Okay, and uh, the women's Money in the Bank ladder match is Zelina Vega, Liv Morgan, Natty, Oscar, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Ash, Naomi, and... Nikki Ash. <laughs> and a person to be determined. I'm not sure if you saw the rumor here, but there's a rumor... Sonya? Yes, the rumor going around that Sonya Deville will enter this match, and if that's the case, I think she will win. And since she's an official, well, one, she has this thing with Liv Morgan going on in SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she's an official, I would kind of love the idea of, like, the briefcase just, like, sitting in the office. <laughs> and, and, like, she's in her suit, and you're not even, like, really thinking about her. The briefcase is just there, and then all of a sudden, she just comes down at one night and cashes in. Now, I don't think, I don't think it's Becky Lynch, because you don't have to insert Becky Lynch to tell a story to insert her into a match. I don't think it's Sasha, even though Sasha's ever touched with SmackDown on Friday night. I don't think it's her either. So, if that rumor is true, I love it. What I'll are tell thoughts? you what. When it comes to women's Money in the Bank ladder match, I might be more excited for this than any of the years prior. Um, I love everyone in this, and I'm. I can't really think of somebody in here that because is going to win, and I'll be really bummed about it. Zelina and Liv are my, you know, I got a soft spot for both of them. I would love to see either of them win. Um, if Sonya's in it and she wins, everything you just said sounds genius. Um, the arrogant thing, and then she could, she could, you know, be eventually challenging for the women's title, but continue to have some type of feud with Liv. Um, my dark horse on it is I think the mystery person is going to be Tony Storm and she wins. 
What a better debut. Oh, well, you know, uh, poor Tony, poor Tony Storm and uh, Tegan Knox and Shotzi. Poor, oh god, those poor children. It's over for them. Triple H has to be going fucking insane. <laughs> Dealing with Vince. I think he hates it there. My 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 god. Um, now speaking of my god, um, you haven't heard me say this in a long time, but uh, the Raw Women's Championship, Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. What the fuck is this? My god, this is god awful. I don't know who the heel. I don't know who the face. I don't know. The triple threat match at Backlash was fun. Was great. The match at um, Hell in a Cell, whatever the hell that ending was. All of a sudden, the the table covers a weapon. I don't know. I don't care who wins. Don't know. Don't care. I assume Rhea. Because the way this is going, I would say Charlotte. When all fails, you pick Charlotte. Because this has not gone well at all. And I think Becky Lynch will end up coming back and facing whoever the Royal Women's Champion. I think the fresher match, of course, well, I know the fresher match for a fact will be against Rhea Ripley. But I don't think Rhea's been booked good at all. I don't know what the hell's going on. But I'll be into that match. But I have nothing to say about that. And also, the tag titles, the Raw tag titles on the line, AJ and Omos against the Viking Raiders. Who you got? WWE Tag Team Wrestling, couldn't care less. <laughs> that so, is a match I will not watch. Yeah, so I'll go with AJ and Omos, and I'm looking forward to AJ and Omos facing RK Bro, possibly at SummerSlam. Now, for AEW, I have not seen Fighter Fest. I know Matt Hardy and Christian went one-on-one for the European title 20 years ago, and they're doing it in, <laughs> doing it in 2021 as well. Um, Christian beat Matt Hardy for the first time ever in a one-on-one match. Huh, interesting. Um, last week, we had the debut of Malachi Black. And last episode we did, I was very critical of Cody because I think he's been doing nothing. And now He's doing something right now. No, he now he is. Promotes intro, intro this. Yeah, I, I heard good things about what happened tonight with between those two. But that whole... Factory thing was a flop. I don't know who the hell cared about QT Marshall. And he was trying to help his boy out. <laughs> I know, but th- it, it it was not good. Good friends do good friends yeah. things. It, it was not good. Like, I would try to get you over my best, and I don't think I would do a better job than that. But um, this Malachi Black thing, I'm, in- I'm interested in this. And I think this would actually really be good, good for Cody. And I hope Malachi Black wins. I mean, yeah, I think that's somebody Cody would put over. Is there anything else that I should keep my eye on? I know Britt Baker is feuding with Nyla Rose at the moment. Um, um, so, I mean, Hangman finally getting in the world title picture actually seems pretty good. He, he had a, a good segment with Kenny. Um, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson had some good jabs at Hangman. And then... Hangman eventually, you know, he assaults Matt, and then he starts assaulting everyone, and before Kenny can sneak a shot at him with the title, Dark Order runs in, Dark Order's got his back, he's saying he wants his match against Kenny, he says, you want the match? I'll give you a match. And I believe it's for next week, it's a 5-on-5 elimination match, Hangman and four members of Dark Order versus the Super Elite, Good Brothers, Bucks, Omega, Survivor Series style five man elimination. If Hangman's team wins, 
Hangman gets a shot at Omega's world title, and Dark Order gets a shot at the tag titles. So they did not announce when it would happen, but the promos were real good. They dug a Hangman on smelling like booze. Um, Hangman sounded good, and then when you know Hangman had a nice little moment, like when when the challenge was uh, presented, where he said Dark Order doesn't back down from nobody. So Hangman is well. Dark Order, Hangman's not in Dark Order, right? They just kind of befriended him. Yes, he's, well, they've always wanted, he's basically befriended them and to the point where it's like, hey, like, I like you guys, you're my friends. He kind of claimed them today. I mean, I'm not saying he's part of it, but it was kind of like Kane with the Pac and the dogs if that, and, and the, uh, okay. the outlaws yeah. back in the day. Yeah, because I was, was going to say DX for Mankind, but same thing. Um, hey, fine. So this whole Hangman thing, well, this story, especially from last year, from All Out, like the long storm, the long term build that they actually do with Hangman, I think is really good. Because, like, telling the story of him, like, kind of like building himself up, especially after losing the tag titles to the, um, to FTR last year, and a year later to come full circle and beat Omega. I think Omega's going to fall apart within the next couple months. I think he's going to lose all his titles. I think so too. I, I, I would, I, you know, I think, I think Callahan's going to take the Impact title. I think uh, Andrade is going to take the AAA title. Uh, I, I think that that's kind of bound to happen, and I think they're finally getting the right people in line to take them all. And I think it's going to make the most sense for him to lose AEW first. Really? Isn't that no, that that Impact show? I think is this weekend. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. I think it is. I, think, I love when I'm wrong. Yeah, I think I'm almost positive it is. So like he'll kind of start to like fall apart, and that I'm interested in because this is like Hangman kind of like had that like strong redemption story. I'm actually really like really interested in the scene because I yeah, like Hangman. I love it because and in the promo today they they talked a lot about like their tag time together. Mm-hmm. So anything else in AEW? Interesting. Um, just one little tidbit, you know, when it comes to the Dark Order, let me tell you what, I love them on Dynamite, I hate them on being the Elite. Oh, you hate them now? I thought you liked them on being the Elite before, or, or did you just like, I, just like Brody? Brody, Brody was, to, Brody was tolerable, but at the same time, Brody drops, rest in peace, but he dropped so many F-bombs, it was the first time in my life where I couldn't watch being the Elite in front of my daughter, <laughs> and it was like, you, you knew when the Dark Order segment was coming up, alright, it's about to be F-bomb city. Uh, present day between then and now and even before that, when it comes to a Dark Order segment, uh, I'm uh, being the elite is not for me. It is uh, bad. Yet, however, like I don't find John Silver. I know everyone loves him. I, I like him on Dynamite. I like him when he wrestles. I don't like his segments on being the elite. <laughs> but when he comes out on Dynamite, when any of those guys come out, I, I, I'm I'm in on it. Okay. Now, has there been anything else you've been watching? Really, uh, wrestling-wise, I've watched a little bit of um, some e- older ECW stuff here and there. I've been wanting to get into the recent NWA stuff, but I don't have a Fight TV account. So really, it's just been documentaries. I've been watching all the Dark Side of the Ring stuff, uh, rewatched some of the Broken Skull sessions, um, the A&E stuff, but really in the ring stuff, not, not too much. How about you? Okay, so... I'll start with um, the in-ring stuff. So 
while I was on vacation, I kind of like, like me and Lee were just sitting there. Angel was at the casino. So, so, so I had Lee as we, so I turned on NXT Back and, old ways. yeah, so I had turned on NXT and, um, I gotta say, I'm not sure if you've been following NXT, but like this whole Cameron Grimes thing about he, he, he hit big on the stock market with Ted DiBiase, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, I, I know you weren't a fan of Johnny Gargano as a heel, but I've been trying to get more into NXT. I've been watching it. I like everything Joe's been doing. Yeah. The thing with Joe, it's like anytime I see Joe with somebody, it's like, I want him to face him. I want him to face him. I want him to face him. Anytime I see Joe with anybody. Because Karrion Cross, he actually retained the title and choked Joe out on NXT last night. So, yes. so, so it's like, I'm looking forward to that. Now, I know you weren't a big fan of Johnny Gargano as a heel. And even like Austin Theory, we didn't really think much of Austin Theory, but I got I love the way with um with them and Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae and this whole index thing with uh, Indy and Dexter Loomis phenomenal. I think I think they've done a great I'm job. I'm not somebody paying attention where I did not know they're referring to themselves as Index. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're referred to as Index. So um, terrible. <laughs> I'll, it, it's so it's so fun. So I, I, I'm really enjoying that. Uh, Colin O'Reilly, their match, it was okay from this pat from the from the Great American Bash over last weekend. Um, now, documentary wise, I did watch a couple of Dark Side of the Rings. I watched the Screwjob one for the first time. Season one. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I just, I just kind of went through a few to see what I'll be interested in. And um, the A and E documentary. Oh, speaking of NXT, I love Hit Row. I'm so glad that Swerve finally got his just due. I still, I still hate Top Dollar. He got, he, he, I don't trust men with with straight brim hats. Um, so what? But, um, did did uh, Swerve ever win the uh, cruiserweight title? No, he challenged. He did, right? No, he didn't. He challenged, challenged for a lot. a lot. So I was glad to see him win the title. And the rumors are saying that Bronson Reed's going to get called up. Rumors are Karrion Cross is going to get called up. Karrion Cross, he better get called up with Scarlet because I'm not sure. There was a if you saw, there's a video Actually, flowing yeah, around. Yeah, I know what you're talking about and about he, them they kind of getting their their test run. Yeah, step, and, yeah, uh, and, test and, run separately. Yeah, and he looked a god awful without Scarlet. And I know they could fix it or whatever, but the presentation is key, especially for somebody like him. I know he'll have like a lot of success because Vince will actually like him. Speaking of NXT, what about the, they pulling? What Dana and Mandy getting ripped apart, and Mandy's back in NXT. Yeah, Mandy, Mandy allegedly got traded for Aaliyah on NXT, so Aaliyah's heading to Raw. That's that, that's what's going to happen now. With now Aaliyah, yo, she's been in NXT since '94, definitely, maybe even '91. But <laughs> but I'll tell you this: if they're doing that, especially with the draft coming up, I'm all for that. If you want to swap people to include. Including some um, people, sending Raw as many people to NXT. I'm all for that. I, I'm not mad at that either. I'm not. I'm not that there's a lot of them in the roster. I don't even know if there's five. I love the idea and like, what is it? Orton, AJ, and no one else. But like, I love the idea of somebody that's never been in an NXT ring. Yeah. going back, going there. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, I'm all for that because. Depending on how you how yeah when when's Raw Underground coming back? Oh God, don't remind me of that. Um, I need it. Omos, shout out to <laughs> yeah, because like like depending on like I I know Vince views NXT different than Triple H does, but I'm all for if they want to swap people 
from Raw and SmackDown to NXT and vice versa. Now, for documentaries, I'm not sure if you've seen this, but have you seen that China documentary? I have not. I I can't find a good way to watch it. You don't have... I don't think it's on Vice's YouTube channel because it's not it's not listed as a dark side of the ring. Now, no, most no. of it, I might just have to pay for it. Did you watch it? How'd you watch it? On demand. You have Vice. Yeah. So, um, a lot of it you knew we knew, and it was like stuff like we saw through um, her her crash after she left WWE in two thousand one. But the hardest part to watch is maybe the last. 45 minutes to an hour because how long is it it's like almost two hours it's between an hour and a half and two hours and like they follow her up to the couple the day of her death and like and like they like they kind of like they don't show finding her but like she's like found dead like her last interview was like the day before she passed away and you can tell like she's she she's like high, drunk, whatever you want to call it. She is out of it, and it's, it's a hard watch to actually sit through at towards the end. Because all the other stuff we all knew, we knew the Xbox stuff, um, all the reality TV stuff she did, the uh, the adult videos she did. But those, but the last few days leading up to her death that they actually document is actually really <clears throat> tough to watch. And then the fucking dickhead. Who's who's uh was doing like her redemption story redemption story documentary? He took they cremated China, so he took some of her ashes and he Smoked put them. No, <laughs> he put them in like this bedazzled urn and ran a quote unquote tribute to China at some place and charged people to take pictures with this bedazzled urn. That ain't the most wrestling thing I've ever. Heard. I was like, and the guy, and the like, the guys aren't even in the wrestling business. But I'm like, dude, th- that was fucking horrible. But like, it's <clears throat> it's a really good documentary. It's just really rough to watch the last maybe thirty, forty five minutes because it documents the last few days of her life. But uh, I think that oh, um, I watched Army of Dead with Batista on Netflix. It's fucking awful. Awful. Action's great, but dialogue is terrible. Um, Did it remind you of the match? No. See, the action's actually good. He like, but I, I was cheering Batista on a couple times in this movie. But the, <laughs> the Did doc- it remind you of the Miz uh, Damian Priest match? Yes, it really it it did. It did. Batista's tweet with that was amazing too. By the way, but um, definitely uh. A fun movie to watch. Dialogue is just fucking terrible, and plot is not good. And I have, and I think that's about it because I've been back to work for the last couple of weeks, so not so not much else wrestling related. So speaking of wrestling, um, you know, we, you did talk about the pandemic era and the MVPs of it. One of your other things you did mention was favorite matches or most memorable yes. matches or best matches. Anything specific stand out to you? Personally, AEW had a hard time kind of remembering anything that happened. That that, that was so that, that was like You're spectacular. I am, all puns intended. Um, but on the WWE side, I'll say Roman's Hell in a Cell with Jey Uso. I thought it was really good. Sasha's Hell in a Cell with Bailey. 
Bianca and, and Bailey had a great Hell in a Cell match as well. Um, a forgotten match that happened on SmackDown was AJ and Bryan for the IC title in the finals. Yep. That was really good. Uso versus Bryan. Yes, that was really good as well. And um, that's that's about it. One of my favorite matches from the pandemic was MJF versus Jericho, though. It wasn't a bunch of moves, but... <clears throat> story. Um, I, I, have a, I have a list of a plethora of matches. Um, however, I'm just going to rattle off four honorable mentions. Uh, the light... You mentioned this earlier. Yeah, the lights out match. Uh, it lights out. Thunder Rosa. Been a fan of her since NWA was reinvigorated with uh, NWA power, but her and Britt Baker killed that match. One of my favorite women's matches of any time. Um, anything the Young Bucks have really done, any of their tag matches, specifically any of their tag title defensive, I thought have been really good. Uh, louder on this list, we kind of did just run through. Um, the Boneyard match cinema and a cinematic uh, story, thought it was really good. Both the Stadium Stampede matches, and um, two honorable, uh, two uh, uh, last three I'm gonna mention: the WrestleMania 36, the weirdest tag team ladder match ever, where it was one person from three tag teams: you oh. had Jimmy Uso, <laughs> yeah. John Morrison, and I would assume Kofi. I think it was Kofi. Yeah, that the match was good. It was just weird and random. But we're going to talk about a triple threat ladder match. One of the greatest ladder matches ever, maybe. AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, yes. Jeff Hardy. That was that fun. That match is fire. That was fun. Um, last one I got to mention, because the pandemic era is over. The Thunderdome era is over. The Thunderdome Monday Night Raw from July 12th. Johnny Mundo and uh, Prince Puma. I mean, uh, Ricochet and John Morrison. Uh, their false count anywhere match. It's awesome. Anything they've really been doing, which you, you noted this earlier, everything they've been doing uh, the, with you know false finishes and um, you know count outs, been very entertaining. We got a decisive victory this past week. I feel like something on the last show had to be mentioned. So John Morrison and Ricochet false count anywhere. Another great match. Yeah. All good, all good choices. Um, like I said, I, I think this, like you said earlier, we talked about. I think this era will be looked at as underrated for all companies going around, go all across the board. You might not go back to anything, but if you ever go but back, if you want to, we just give you a list of some great matches to go back to. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's but yeah. Now, like you might not go out to seek, go out and seek these things, but definitely a good era, and they actually made it work, and they. They sacrificed themselves to entertain us for this past this last these last fourteen months, and we're, we're very appreciative of that. So, uh, is that everything? That's all I got. All right, same here. So, uh, as always, subscribe on all podcast platforms: iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and Stitcher. Head over to Ringside Collectible. Use promo code MMAN save ten percent off your order. So that's it for the show. Tune in next week for our Money in the Bank review. Yes, that'll be fun. We will be back next week, and hopefully we have a, we have the third man. Um, so there might even be a fourth man. We'll be like the NWO. We might have forty six MFs up on this show. <laughs> oh man, I was about to make a a giant joke, but it was it wasn't going to fit. The Giants are part of the NWO. 
Um, it depends who you ask. <laughs> so, so that's it for the show. Uh, for Egg to Fly, Eric Trembicki, I'm Aaron Loy. We'll see you guys next week.